Mike, let him have it. How lucky can one guy be? I kissed her and she kissed me Like the fella once said Ain't that a kick in the head? And welcome to episode three of the Bocce Bros Podcast. We have an awesome one for you guys today. Our special guest is Julio Vincent Gambuto. He's the writer and director of the Team Marco movie, which was recently released on all major digital platforms, as well as on demand on all national cable providers across the country. The movie's about an 11-year-old boy, Marco, who has an obsession with his electronics, his iPad, video games, etc., In turn, he rejects offers of friendship, he hates the outdoors, and he's absent from his own social life. This all changes when Nono, his Italian-American grandfather, moves in. Nono is an old-timer who springs out of bed with the sunrise to play bocce matches with his friends. At first, Marco sniffs at Nono's lust for living, but eventually as Nono introduces him to sunshine, rainbow cookies, and games that can be played without a console, Marco's disdain melts away. This movie is for everyone. You know, these are the kind of movies I think we're missing right now, which is uh, one around family, one around culture, where you can incorporate the highs and the lows. Uh, You laugh, you cry, you hug your family members as you're watching it. It's just one of those movies where you walk away, you appreciate where you come from, you appreciate the people that are around you, and you just want to continue to build those relationships with with your loved ones. We really think you guys are going to enjoy this episode of the podcast. We know we did. Uh, Julio is a very genuine person who cares about Staten Island, which is where he's from, cares about his Italian culture, his family, his friends, the people around him, the, the relationships he's built. And he wants to highlight all of that on the big screen, which we're definitely excited for. Um, So, you know, the first half of this episode is more about Team Marco, some of the behind the scenes stuff about bocce. And then the second half, we really dive into the similarities of our Italian culture, where we're all from, uh, family stories. And and honestly, it was just a a really fun conversation. We couldn't thank him enough. As always, guys, we appreciate you tuning in. Please follow us on social media. We can be found at the Bocce Bros on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. TikTok. Yeah, we have one of those. We haven't released any videos yet, but those will be coming. And then obviously on our website to find your apparel, that's under thebocchibros.com. Thanks again for tuning in, and here's the show. All right, Julia. Well, we appreciate you coming on. I'm Chris Lovell. My younger brother there is Dante. Um, and then we have Anthony Cugini. Anthony, raise your hand. I know you could see his name anyway. And then Carmen Marinucci. So... We make up the Bocce Bros. Uh, Dante, Carmen, and I are from Youngstown, Ohio. You can tell it's on my shirt. I don't know if you've ever heard of Youngstown, but I would call it like a sibling to Staten Island in the sense of just how many Italian immigrants went there, the culture there, the food, the community. It looks like we lost Carmen, but we'll just keep going. Um, And it's been... Very, it's been a lot of fun just watching your interviews and a lot of like the, the reasoning behind the movie. Uh, you know how you played cards with your grandparents. All of us did that. Uh, the cake and coffee that you guys would eat, you know, at the table, the Sunday dinners. 
And then you, just the passion you have for Staten Island, uh, for family, community, and then obviously bringing in Bocce into it. I mean, that as soon as we saw that trailer, we were all just really excited uh, nice. for it. And, and we just, you know, again, want to appreciate, appreciate you for or thank, thank you for that. That, that means a great deal to me. So from, from uh, me and the whole team, thank you. I mean, it's, uh, it's been a long journey, but, man, it's so fun at this point because you get to just talk about the movie and talk about all the reasons you made it and all the things that inspired it and, um, you know, the, the support from not only the Bocce community but the Italian-American community has been incredible. And, mm-hmm. um, I mean, it just gives me so – I am just get so excited to be on a call with, uh, with four Italians as well. <laughs> It's a lot of fun. So. Yeah, yeah. When people see this episode, they're going to be like, oh, my God, they had a mob boss on the, on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I do a lot of explaining of both of my Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, what we've been, I guess, to give a little intro on us and then if you can give an intro on yourself. Uh, as the Bocce Bros, we were just four guys that really like the game of Bocce, really love our Italian community and our culture that, that – backs it right and we've always enjoyed playing the game uh, and i know just by the movie you made i could i know you have a history with it i'm sure you've played a bunch as well um and for us the game of bocce just the culture of it how much fun it could be um when everyone's there together it's not necessarily even the game that's fun yeah that's enjoyable but a lot of it's just the community that it brings together Um, so that's essentially what we are trying to do as the bocce bros is expand the bocce game into not only the Italian community, but other communities as well. So this was the second year of a tournament that Carmen Marinucci started and we helped sponsor this year. It's called the Yobo tournament. Uh, it's a a youth bocce tournament in Youngstown that we have. It's a 40 and under tournament. And it is just a, a day of full of fun. I mean, it starts at 10 in the morning. Everyone already has, you know, their mimosas or their beers in their hand. And there's about, I don't know, 100 and some people there. And it's just a nice, fun event. And that's kind of what we're planning on doing and expanding outside of just, uh, you know, Youngstown, Columbus, and Ohio. Fantastic. So that's that's who we are. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you could... Give yeah, absolutely. It's good, it's good to meet you guys. Um, you know, while you were talking about that, uh, Chris, I uh, it made me think of there's a restaurant on Staten Island named Angelina's, which is down on the South Shore, which is where I grew up, which is about a half hour south of the Staten Island Ferry. And uh, what most people don't know about Staten Island is that it's actually twice the size of Manhattan. So everybody thinks we're this little island, and I think they get that idea from the New York City subway map. But actually, we're twice the size of Manhattan, and it's about a half hour from where the ferry gets in to the tip of the island. And there's a restaurant almost at the tip of the island called Angelina's. And it's uh, we, we weren't able to shoot it for the movie because of some scheduling issues, but God, it's gorgeous. I mean, they do out. They have four courts, I think. There's chandeliers hanging in the trees. It's wow. like the hottest social wow. scene on the island. Uh, <laughs> once a week, I mean, hundreds of people go, and um, it's young people, old people. People are drinking. People are not drinking. People are eating. They're not. I mean, it's such a great festive, fun event uh, weekly, and it's right on the water. So it's really, really wow. beautiful. That's it's, um, it's called Angelina's. You said, 
called Angelinas, yeah. Okay. So uh, at some point, Team Marco, we're going to have a bocce map of Staten Island. So uh, we'll, yeah. we'll make sure that uh, we point it your way. But um, yeah, I'm so I, just to give you some background, uh, I'm uh, Italian American, grew up on Staten Island, uh, lived there until I was 18, went away to school, uh, lived in Boston, and then moved out to California to work in entertainment. So um, I have been in a member of many different communities in my life. Um, I have often very much felt like a fish out of water in a lot of those communities. And, um, you know, so when I started my filmmaking career, I very much wanted to tell the stories of my hometown and tell the stories of my culture. And um, I think, you know, two things. One, I think, you know, Italian-American movies as a, as a sort of collection of films are wonderful, but they focus heavily <laughs> on, on, on mafia, which, yes. you know, I... I don't do. I, other people do it way better than I do. So uh, why why should I try? Um, and it's not really sort of where I hook into art culture um, primarily. And uh, and the other thing too is that you know at least here in New York, uh, I'm not sure uh, if if this, these kinds of things reach you guys in, in Ohio, but in New York, you know Staten Island just sort of gets a bad rap. So. Um, I think we're sort of portrayed in movies and TV and certainly in the media, at least in the New York City area as well, um, sort of poorly. So, you know, one of my goals for the movie was really to show the rest of the country what a beautiful place we are and what a green place we are and what a, you know, loving and warm people we actually are. Yeah. Uh, I don't think you always get that necessarily from mob wives or some of the other <laughs> film that portrays the island so, um you know they do their own thing and they do their own thing well for what they are but you know if i was going to make a feature film about my home i wanted to highlight a part of our culture that people don't really know about and a part of our culture that i love and that i you know really get to tap into so yeah i really enjoyed the italian accent that you that the grandfather had and Good. the Good. rest of the family really didn't have an accent and I guess going off of kind of not that it's a negative thing but there's like that hey how you doing over here you know accent that a lot of people portray with Italians especially in the yeah. New York area um, and even though it could be fun I, I enjoyed how it was a little more real to me with how oh, everyone I was I, I'm so glad to hear that because that was a really intentional decision um, we, we auditioned the actors here in New York and, uh, both in New York and when I worked in LA, anyone who comes in to read for an Italian American character comes in with that. Right. And they're like, yeah, hey, you want to play bocce? Come on. Come on. <laughs> and, you know, and, and, uh, and the women come in and they're like, Marco, put down your iPad. And it's a whole, you know. So, I mean, look, the truth is, I don't know how it is for you guys, but here in New York, that's real, right? Yeah. Like it's, it's not like it's not real. It's just that uh, it's so easy to turn into a caricature. Mm. It's so easy to turn into a cartoon. And I always find that when I watch movies that lean into that, 
that you get further and further away from the real, genuine, authentic experience of what it's like to be Italian and Italian-American. So uh, I didn't want to do that. I also wanted the movie to translate. I wanted people across the country um, who who may not have a tolerance to listen to that for 90 minutes, like maybe you guys and I have just gotten used to it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I wanted them to, to be able to... Uh, uh, to see a different side of us. Also, you know, there's a couple of characters in the movie who do speak like that. I wanted, you know, one of the bocce guys at least to to sound like that, just so that it felt a little bit more like rooted in in some of the reality of the island. So right now, you brought up awesome. some of the bocce guys there. I assume you work with some of the clubs, uh, the bocce clubs over there in Statline. Is that correct? We did. We um, so the the whole movie started because uh, I have six nieces and nephews here in the city, and my nephew Marco, who was eight at the time, uh, I walked into his house and he didn't look up from his iPad, and like the kid didn't even didn't even flinch, didn't acknowledge I was in the room, nothing. And I just like instantly became my grandfather. I was like, get off the damn thing and come <laughs> give your uncle a kiss and a hug. And, you know, that's what my grandfather used to do to me when I played Nintendo, yeah. where I, you know, was like distracted by, and so it was this weird moment where I realized like, oh, I'm not the young guy in the room anymore. Yeah. I'm actually starting to become an older generation. And, um, and suddenly all those things that my own grandfather used to yell at me for and my parents used to yell at me for sort of became crystal clear, like, why they were doing that. So um, anyway, his little Marco's grandfather on his other side of the family, his name is Marco, and he plays bocce daily on Staten Island. I mean, it is, you can't rip the guy away from the bocce court. So I started hanging out with him and his bocce club, um, and then I started to meet all the other bocce clubs on the island, and there are a lot of them. Um, there, we've got a bunch of restaurants that have courts. We've got, you know, some that are feel, you know, feel um, like very athletic, where like six games are going at once, and it's a big tournament. There are other places where like you're having dinner in a nice Italian restaurant, and there's one court, and people are just playing for fun. Um, we've got the court I was telling you about that's on the water. And uh, so I sort of started to realize that, like, all of these clubs and groups and places were a little bit different. Um, and I had a lot of fun just sort of getting used to what they were all like and meeting everybody. Uh, there's this great guy named Maurizio who's from Italy, spends six months in Italy, six months on Staten Island, only opens his restaurant when he's here in the States. Otherwise, oh, it's just closed. Oh, that's awesome. Wow. And the backyard awesome. is, like, three tables – I mean, the inside of the restaurant's a regular restaurant, but you go out in the backyard, it's three tables, beautiful lighting, a bocce court, and tomato plants. Like that's a restaurant. And it's fantastic. And and so I started to, you know, really get to know them. And what happened was that the Staten Island Bocce Club, uh, they they came to me and said, you know, we'd love to help you with the film. And uh, and so we started talking to them and and they were just fantastic. I mean, these guys are solid gold, very, very sweet, very warm. They taught me soup to nuts the entire game. I mean, I had some experience, but knowing I was going to make a movie, I was like, I need to know everything. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and they were fantastic. So we, I put three of them in the movie. So the three guys who are on the bocce team who don't really talk, 
those are three guys from the Staten Island Bocce Club. Oh, nice. Oh, nice. And, okay. and once the other actors were cast, we had them have lunch with them and meet with them and go down to the courts with them and play just to get used to the game and the actors, none of the actors had ever played. So we wanted to make sure that they played. Um, and really, just like you said, Chris, like, you know, it's about the game but it's not about the game right and it's like the the movie's about the movie, a game but it's not about the game yeah. so it's like you know they said like oh i want to know every every rule and i was like don't worry i'll tell the story of the rules <laughs> i'll tell the story of the game you worry about like what does this feel like to walk down onto a court and 10 guys who you've known for 20 years are saying hello yeah or you're brand new and they say hello like they've known you for 20 years you know right so when um, did you um when did you start filming the movie like how long what, how the, how long did that process take uh so the actual filming is only about five or six weeks and we shot it uh two summers ago we shot it in 2018 oh, wow and uh, yeah, the kids were pre-pandemic. Pre-pandemic, <laughs> totally. Didn't know we'd be coming out during this match. Um, yeah, and it was uh, the the prep process is really long. So you're in prep. I mean, it took us a year and a half to write it, a year and a half to raise the money, and then some of that's happening simultaneously. But then um, once we were ready to go, it's about three or four months of prep where you're just lining up everything. You know, meeting the, bo- the the bocce club who was eventually going to be in the movie, setting up the locations, hiring your your cast, your crew, your designers, your lighting people, your camera people, all that crew work, and then we shot for five weeks. And actually, it's a really funny story because um, you guys probably noticed because you're actual bocce players, but you know, most of the shots in the movie, someone rolls and then we cut. And yeah. We see yeah. 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 Yes, I noticed. Uh-huh. And that's because we're an independent film and like we don't have a lot of time and we don't have a lot of money and it's yeah. like, okay, that's the most efficient way we can do this. All right. And, uh, but so we had the Staten Island Bocce Club shoot all of the really important shots that we needed for the story. Uh, and so the the hardest one, which in the movie we called my sister's teeth. <laughs> you know, as you guys know, not real, but we. I'm, uh, I'm starting to say that all the time now. It's, it's, it's a thing now. Yeah. I got I my it. dad on board. So. I love it. It's so funny because I talked to another club the other day, and they said, "Oh, we call it a halo." Uh, yeah, so everyone has their own names for it, name, for those yeah. shots. So that was something we could definitely relate to. Yeah, that's so great. So I, uh, you know, I made sure there was a line in there that sort of made you believe that only these guys say it. But um, but uh, yeah, we we were setting up that shot, and we needed that particular shot for a number of of uh, shots in the movie. And we budgeted like an hour for the shot, and these guys got it on the first. Oh, that's <laughs> wow, <awesome. laughs> that's funny. And we were never had a schedule again. That was it. <laughs> now I have to ask. You said you like three actual people from the club were in the movie. Was one of those people the one the guy who just slept on the bench the whole time? Funny, it wasn't. Yeah, no. <laughs> that guy is uh, one of my good friends, who's one of our executive producers. He, uh, his name is Andrew. He's a, an old friend here in New York. His, that's his dad. Okay. <laughs> when we were casting, I was like, okay, I, what I'm looking for is like a guy with a big belly who can just sit there the whole sleep. Yep. Like, I got the I will I'm tell you, he kills the bee. I, he goes back to sleep. 
<laughs> yeah, I cracked up when the when Nanu brought uh, Marco to like and had him eat the cookie in front of the hospital. I was dying laughing because that's something that my grandpa would have done. Oh like, yeah, it was like here, do it here now. It's like what, what's going to happen? <laughs> that was great. Okay. I love hearing that. That's you know that's that shot. Um, because once you once you finish the movie, you start screen testing it, and so we did screen tests in New York. We did them in New Jersey for moms, and we did them in LA. And I wanted to make sure that we were getting, you know, A, you want to make sure you get some some feedback. Do people like this? Do they not like it? But we started to realize we were getting the exact same feedback in all three areas. And because people laughed at the exact same moments in the whole movie. And that's one of them. That's like my that's favorite cut in the whole movie. Um, that's awesome. From the bakery to the hospital. And, um, and people just, every audience I've ever watched it with, We've been to, um, you know, a number of film festivals and I, every single audience I've ever watched it with, uh, that gets a laugh. So, so good. So good. Yeah. So Nano, I mean, he, that character, you know, touched a sweet spot in me cause it just immediately I was hooked to him and the whole story because it reminded me of my grandpa or even my grandma, the way that he talked and the things that he said. And the thing that got my family, I mean, we were rolling on the ground laughing when they, when you guys made the jokes about 11, like I fought for Mussolini when I was 10. I mean, we were crying because our grandparents got married at like 16. Exactly. And so we're 20 and they're like, what do you mean you don't have a girlfriend? You know, I had four kids by then. It was just, I mean, you guys nailed it. And I, we weren't expecting that part. We weren't expecting the comedy of the movie. Got it. And yeah. and you guys just you killed it there. Thank you. We had we had a great time writing, and I wrote it with a uh, one of my best friends from the sixth grade. Known the guy for thirty years. Uh, he's Turkish, but we grew up in the same community, and uh, and we just had a ball writing it. Like he was the funniest guy I knew in school. Um, I've done some comedy work, but I wanted his wit and the two of us together, just like, we really had a lot, a lot of fun with the jokes that are in the movie. So, uh, you know, my, my, my family still loves like the Xbox is called the ex-husband box. And <laughs> Ray box. Yeah. And yeah. So, um, you know, we had a lot of fun with those things too. I, uh, oh, so, oh, sorry, hold on. Um, yeah. I was, I wrote you the note after I watched it, I was bawling because, uh, we were the ones who hosted the tournament this year for my grandpa who passed. And, uh, he, he played with all of us. Um, he was, I played, he was, he was my partner for 18 years on my side. Oh. And, uh, I mean, I was like the, the timing, just watching it was like the whole story was just, it was like so touching. So I was like, just thank you for, for that. Just for me, because it was like, it really meant something for me from that side. You're welcome. Thanks so. for saying that. I appreciate that a lot. Anthony. Yeah. It's, um, my condolences. It's, it's so hard to see them go. Yeah. It's yeah. so hard. My, um, we, three of, I, we, I, I grew up with the four of them and, uh, and three are now gone. And my grandmother, uh, I, I always forget that people I don't know, don't know these things, but my grandmother is the woman in the vintage film reels. Oh, I, I was going to uh, ask, I was going to ask if any like home movies made it into that. Yeah, those are all when my cool. So, so when my grandfather died, um, you know, all of our cousins. I, I have a, a lot of cousins, uh, as I imagine you guys might. And uh, 
and you know who wanted the watch who wanted the overcoat who wanted the, and I said, please grandpa leave me the films yeah. and so he left me this uh beautiful wicker basket like box that's in the movie in one of the shots and it had 50 or 60 eight millimeter reels in there and we had uh we took i took them out one night when we were starting to prep for the movie and we used his projector that he left me, which is the same projector in the movie. Wow. And, and we watched every one of them on the dining room wall, me and my grandmother. And she got to help, you know, help me pick what was going to be in the film. And, uh, and she was so funny because she's 95 now. And so she's like very impatient. And so the like mechanism on the projector that rewinds it was broken. So I was like hand rewinding all these films. And she was, they call me Julie. She's like, Julie, let's go, let's go, let's go. I want to see the next one. You know, that's funny. Um, but, but they're, um, they're wonderful. And, and um, they're you special know, people. I mean, really coming are. from over there, they're just, there's something one, else. Chindong. It's one thing to make a special movie like that. Like it's got to be a lot of fun as well as stressful. But to have that sense of family, like helping you make it, or even in it, that's even more. Like I can't. Like give, that gives me a little goosebumps thinking about that. You were able to share that moment with your grandmother at the table. You know, um, picking yeah, something. Uh, it's, it's there've been all these like little moments along the way that I, that, you know, when you're in them, you know that they're special, but I think not until afterward do you really realize you just sort of how, you know, fortunate I've been to, to have them and, and then share them, you know, through, through the film. But, um, my, uh, the song that's in the movie, which is called home with you, um, is new. We, we just put it in the film about six weeks ago before we released and for the last year and a half, while it was at festivals, uh, there was uh, a famous song in there called um, uh, Till There Was You, which was from uh, Music Man. And it was like, there were bells all around, but I never heard them ringing. And, and so every audience I've ever watched it with heard that song. And then when you get to distribution and we're going to, we're in the U.S. now and in Canada and next year we go worldwide and suddenly it becomes really expensive to put a, a song like that in the movie. So my producer found a singer-songwriter, this amazing guy who works with Michael Buble, and within like three days they had written a new song. And the weird thing about it was that I didn't tell my mother about it at all, and after the song was done, I played it for her, and she burst into tears, and I was like, what's up? And she said you know, when your grandfather died, he told your grandmother, like, someday you'll come home with me. Uh-huh. And like, chill, right? Like, giving wow. like, you know, and so there were all these weird, weird moments that happened in the making of it where you realize, like, this is, this is special. So, yeah. Not to commend you, the score or the soundtrack, whatever the proper term is, was, I'm, you know, because that's one thing I love in films is, like, what music are they picking and i know my brother probably is the same we love you know picking music but I, I remember just like some song like all the songs were just the whole thing was great it went really well with the film modernized i know some of the music like, it was just went really well thanks yeah it's uh we worked with this composer in la named jacques who's really fantastic and you know he's his whole process is fascinating but he starts by writing like 
one melody for Marco and one melody for Nono. And then he sort of expands on both of them and starts to build this whole score. And I, I know nothing about music. I can tell you what I love and what I don't, but I can't, I have no vocabulary for it. I don't know how to speak. I didn't even know how to talk to him. And, uh, and, and in film school, like you take classes on like how to work with composers. And I was like, I still don't know how to speak. And, um, but he just did an incredible job. I mean, the music is yeah. really, really special. So, so going into making uh, this is your first film, correct? That you've actually written, wrote, and produced. It is, yeah. So what what were some maybe unseen challenges that you didn't see coming um, that you experienced? Um, I think it's funny because I, I used to work in TV. Uh, I was on a show on, for Nickel, for Nickelodeon for uh, for two or three years, and and uh, and really liked it. But one of the the things that made me decide to start my own production company and start making movies was I was like, I'm working 80, 90 hours a week. Like I might as well be working this hard for myself. And, um, and then when you're in it, you're like, Oh, even though I'm working this much for myself, I'm still really tired. <laughs> so it doesn't really matter who it's for. Like it's a lot of work. So and I'm not getting paid now until I get, now I do it. No, exactly. Yeah. At least before, like the check is like came every two weeks. Now it's like, okay, now I have to actually go make the money. So, um, yeah, it's, you know, there were a lot of unexpected things. I think, um, uh, good and bad, you know, like, um, good things. Like we, the, the level of support we got in my hometown was off the charts and to a point where it, it was almost impossible to manage the number of people who wanted to help, the number of people who wanted to come down as, as background, the number of people who wanted to be, you know, part of the process. And, um, and then on the flip side too, yeah, you know, some of the biggest challenges is you never have enough money and you never have enough time and, we're an independent film, which means that you make the movie and then you sell it to Hollywood as opposed to going to Hollywood and having them, you know, give you $50 million to go make a movie. Yeah. Uh, you, you, yeah, you go out and you raise way less than that and you, and you make a film and, uh, and it's a wonderful process, but you know, you're driving the ship every day. And it's like, if I don't get out of bed every morning, um, things don't happen. So it's, it's a lot, it's a lot of work. Now the, but then I get to have like fun conversations like this. So. Right. How has um how how since the movie released, you know, how how has it been? Uh how has it been perceived? I mean, from what I've seen all the reviews, uh everything looks great. I mean, everyone's loving it, everyone's calling it the best family movie of 2020. Uh we're trying to share it as much as we can with our friends and family. Um but it seems like it's picked up some wind here uh so i just wanted to see you know get your viewpoint of how everything's going oh, thank you thank you it's going really well we don't get hard numbers yet so it uh, it's all very anecdotal right now which can drive you a little crazy on my end um but what what i'm loving is we're, we're getting you know messages from all over the country which has been so fascinating and so exciting um you know not only um from clubs like yourself but from Italian American organizations and and you know parenting bloggers who are worried about kids and screen time and all sorts of different uh, groups and organizations, which has been exciting. 
Um, and then the other thing is, you know, some of the reviews were just really special, like the Leonard Maltin review. I, I mean, I watched that guy in Entertainment Tonight like my entire life as a kid. I think I'm a little older than you guys. And like, I just, you know, I've known him for 30, 35 years. And um, to have him say that it was life affirming, that it was a feel good movie was was everything to me because, oh, yeah. you know, I, I went to school with you know folks who wouldn't dare make a family movie like no we want to make something edgy we want to make something you know a thriller we want to make something that's great like so when i said i wanted to make a family movie all my film colleagues were like oh that's cute you know (laughs) (laughs) so um but but i was always like in love with cinema paradiso and some of these like what a great movie Right? I mean, that movie's What a great... Big. Il Postino. Did you watch that one? Yeah. Like, these movies oh. are so good. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, they're, they're like a class at film school. That's it. And then yeah. people move on. And, and I'm going like, no, those are the movies I want to make. Like, that's, that's, that's... You got to get Roberto Benigni in your next one. There you yeah, go. Yeah, exactly. Bring it back. <laughs> so there's this great guy named Gianni Di Gregorio, who's an actor in, in Italy. He used to be an assistant director, which is one of the main crew roles on a movie. And at 60, he started making his own movies. And he has this amazing movie called Pranzo de Ferragosto, or in, in, in English. Lunch in August. In, August lunch. Yeah, it's like mid-August lunch. Yeah, yeah. And so, but the whole movie is about the fact that everyone in his Italian town is going down to the beach for this, for Ferragosto, for the holiday. Yeah, yeah. And his, he just decides to stay home with his mother because she doesn't feel good. And so all the guys in the neighborhood start to get wind that he's staying home and they stop, they start dropping their mothers off. That's like It takes place in one little apartment in Italy and it's 90 <laughs> minutes of this guy going insane because all these like well, older ladies are around him. And no, I reached out to him hungry. when we were making the movie because I wanted him to play Nono. And he doesn't speak any English. Oh, really? And I was devastated because I was like, you are no, no. Like, you have to come. I will, like, get you here any way I can. And his manager was like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> he no speak no English. Like, I, I can't read a script. He doesn't know the script. You know? So, um... So anyway, we found Tony Patelis and we were very happy. So, <laughs> how's the cast been? I mean, I've like I said, I've watched a lot of the lives. Um, you know, how have they been taking it? Kind of where's where's what's it going? What's it doing for them? They're kind great. You that. know, they're they're they're. It's interesting because because we shot two years ago, some of them have gone on to like really incredible projects. Um, Jacob, the little boy who plays the best friend, Fred. Um, first hilarious. That's right? hilarious. Isn't amazing? Like, yeah. he's incredible. And he walked into an audition in New York and he auditioned for Marco. And I was like, mm, that's not going to work. But he's definitely Fred. Yeah. 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 We cast him on the spot and he's an adorable kid, super talented, very oh, yeah. sweet. And uh, after he shot Team Marco, he went on to be uh, on Broadway with Marissa Tomei, and then he went on, and now he just got cast in this big Warner Brothers movie uh, called The Unbreakable Boy. He is the Unbreakable Boy. That's wild. Awesome. So he's doing really well. Uh, Owen is great. Owen, after Team Marco. uh, Owen. So Owen was in the Daddy's Home movies, Mm -hmm. and then he was in... Uh, the house with the clock in its walls uh, with Kate Blanchett and Jack Black. 
And then he shot Team Marco, and then he went on to shoot this movie for Netflix that's coming out um, in February, I think, called Finding Ohana. Uh, so he left us, and he was like, he's 12, and he was shooting a movie in Tahiti. In <laughs> Jeez. Oh, son of a... <laughs> Good for him. Yeah, but they're all they're all doing really well. Uh, Anastasia, who plays the mom, um, she she's doing well. She's uh, she just started her own olive oil line, so she's um, she's doing a lot of talking. Yeah, about she it. had a cool story, like going to LA, coming back to New York for yeah. love, and then then playing right after she gave birth. Like that was pretty cool to listen to that mm-hmm. whole thing. Yeah, she was that fantastic. Was crazy. She it's, it's so interesting because back to you know Chris, what you were saying about the accent, like all these all these actors were coming in with this like really heavy new york accent and i was like we're just not going that direction and um so like i wanted someone who i could believe was from staten island but also who could play nationally and Mm -hmm. like that's it was kind of a tall order and like if we got a celebrity you wouldn't really believe that she's from there and so like it it was it was you know we had a lot of conversations around that uh, uh, about that with my producers and um and Anastasia walked into the audition and she had just had a baby like a week before and he was like I mean, first of all, she's gorgeous, right? So there's, like, nothing that's going to make that woman not look beautiful. But she was like, I'm exhausted. I just got a baby. Like, what you see is what you get. <laughs> like, perfect. I'll take it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I was like, that's what we're looking for. Like, you know, she's, she's an exhausted mom. Like, that's what I want. And, uh, and she signed on, and, and she was brilliant. So. so I was actually – I was pretty excited today. I, I looked at your website. Uh, which is juliovincentgambuto.com, correct? Uh, juliovincent.com, yeah. Juliovincent.com. Uh, and I saw the Julie stories. Um, it's a, a short film. Can you kind of uh, elaborate on that? Sure. Yeah. Um, uh, it's so funny. You're the first person to ask me about that in these interviews, and I love it. I watched it today. Um, I, I loved it. I was excited that I. Oh, you know, there's more, you. more coming, yeah. Yeah, so The Julie Stories right now is a short film that I shot when I was in film school. It was like my final thesis project. And um, it's based on my family in 1991. Uh, my dad started a family business. He bought a franchise of this company that would come to your house and change your oil for you in your driveway. And uh, he just thought we were going to be millionaires overnight. And he like got the whole family involved in the company and the <laughs> business and it was like a total disaster and we didn't have any sales and we didn't like, it was just a mess. And, uh, and as a family, we had to come together to kind of like make this business work. So that's what the short film is about. I, I won't give away any of the stuff that's revealed in it, but it's uh, but that's what the short film is about. And, um, but the whole, the whole story really started because I started writing about my family probably like 15 years ago and um and i started doing comedy work and i was doing stand-up for a while and i started telling stories about my family and i realized that like it doesn't fit into stand-up comedy very well because stand-up comedy is like set up punchline set up punchline set it's like you're just going 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 and i was like no i need like time like i gotta tell like a story you know so I started doing more theater work, and I, uh, I put up a one-man show called Julie from Staten Island, 
And it was all about being, uh, I'm gay, so it was all about being like a young gay kid in this Italian family where my dad was sort of like a, a you know, uh, Sopranos type of character and I was like this kid who couldn't throw a baseball and like couldn't throw a football and like didn't we just didn't get along and then um, I left Staten Island and I went to Harvard and so it was about like being a fish out of water there and being a kid from a working class family who you know the most money we ever had was like a big Christmas you know mm. and and being in this environment where um you know, there was just so I was just surrounded by by so much wealth. So it's a comedy. It's about sort of what those experiences were like and being a fish out of water in all these environments. And um, yeah, so we're working on the movie now. And um, we were supposed to do a movie like ten years ago, and the whole thing fell through in the 0809 recession. Mm-hmm. And um, and after that, I just got kind of angry and put myself back in film school. And here we are. So, that's that's awesome that you started in comedy. I I know you mentioned that earlier, and I was going to ask you a question about it because I, for one, like I want to face my fear and do like an open mic night, like oh, do, do it. more. Like I one hundred percent, I plan so like definitely plan on doing it. But it's just like I love watching podcasts. Like a lot of comedy comedians go on Joe Rogan, so like I love yeah. listening to the comedians talk about their old stories, and because I just find it so fascinating. So can you talk about how like? You threw yourself into comedy. How did you get started in stand-up? Did you ever do improv to help with that? Yeah, like that? yeah I started doing improv when I lived in L.A., and, uh, and improv was really great. I wasn't particularly good at it. Um, you really have to, like, work very well um, and work off the energy of other people, and um, I, I was really drawn to stand-up, and so I started doing stand-up. And the way that you start is you start doing these, like, showcase shows where you kind of go in. It's an open mic you know, you put your name in a hat, maybe you get called to go up and do two minutes, three minutes. And if they like you, they invite you to come back to the club. And then you sort of move to this level called bringer shows, where they ask you to like, go get five of your friends to come to the show. And they buy drinks. And that's how the club makes money. And you get five minutes, six minutes, seven minutes. So uh, after that, then they invite you to to come back just as a guest without bringing people and and you sort of work your way up within that hierarchy. And, um, and I just had a lot of fun doing it. I I enjoyed it. Um, it, the, the clubs are interesting because in New York, like whenever I do impressions of my dad or my mom, like I certainly like, you know, I turn it up and I make it like I go overboard, but, um, And everybody laughs because they know people just like that. Mm. And then in LA, they laugh because they can't believe that you know people like that. (laughs) (laughs) So like in New York, it's like, oh yeah, that's my neighbor and my uncle and my friend and my dad. And in LA, they're like, really? Like people really sound like that, you know? um, But yeah, I love doing stand-up. It was really, really fun. And, you know, I just got to a point where I was like, I want to tell longer stories. I want more stage time. Mm -hmm. I want to, you know, I, I, it's, it's interesting because you, you know, obviously it's comedy, right? So you're always going Mm -hmm. after the punchline and some of our stories, you know, as you know, Chris, you saw the Julie stories, like some of it's not funny and like some of it dramatic and some of it is heartbreaking. And, and so I think like team Marco is actually a really good example of like the kind of work that I want to do where, Parts of it are really funny and parts of it, you know, tear you up 
and you walk you walk away having laughed and having cried and that's life and that's family and that's you know if I, I could tell you stories all night long about my dad and myself and our friendship that evolved in my you know teenage years and in my 20s and in my 30s and um, you know, but you can't tell those stories without them being heartbreaking and really, really, really fucking funny. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I try to get, I try to get to both. So. You did, yeah, you, you did a really good. That. Yeah, I don't know if you saw when I came back on the call. I got kicked off, but I came back on. It was a picture of Jimmy V, and uh, we used this on our Instagram after we watched the show, and oh, nice. you said it just then. You know, you said you laughed, you cried, and, and his quote, if you laugh, you think, and you cry, that's a full day, that's a heck of a day. You do that seven days a week, you're going to have something special, huh. and that's exactly what your movie remind, reminded me of right off the bat. Both of them. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. What, uh, where do you see yourself five years? Like, what do you, what do you got planned? Like, what's, what's your goals? It's a great question. Um, I'm working on a, an animated movie right now, so... Um, Funny enough, uh, related to Heartbreak, it's about a little boy who's uh, 13 years old and he asks this girl to be his girlfriend and she says no. And uh, it's about a boy's first heartbreak. And uh, so I'm working on that now and that goes out to studios uh, next month. And then uh, meaning that we're sort of in the process of getting that going. That'll take about two years. And uh, we're going to make the Julie stories as soon as we can get back up on our feet here in New York. And we've been shut down for the pandemic for the last year, uh, which actually worked out fine because we had to get Marco out into the world. Mm. Um, So it gave us some more time to do that, which has been exciting. And um, uh, yeah, I think five years from now, I want to tell really big Italian stories. You know, I love, I have a, uh, a movie that takes place in Italy during World War II that is just incredible. Um, and it's a, it's a true story, and, and I've been working on it for years. And so there's just a lot of, like, big stories that I want to tell, but they don't let you tell them until you can tell mm-hmm. them smaller, more yeah. personal, intimate, um, lower budget relative to a big, big, big film. So, you know, I'm cutting my teeth kind of on, on these personal stories and on my life stories and family stories. Um, but there's some really big, uh, you know, stories that I, that I want to tell. So that's awesome. awesome. Thanks, man. Thank well, you. Julia, we really appreciate it. We don't want to take too much of your time. Uh, it's been about 45 minutes here. Guys, do you have anything else? Yeah, I wanted to ask because we try to ask, you know, everyone who comes on here, you know, and you said, you you know, you got to play or know the game of bocce a lot more or once you were, you know, filming. But is there any, you know, did you play as a kid playing bocce? Do you have any bocce memories that stick out to you, like one in particular or maybe while filming that was funny or anything like that? Yeah, sure. Uh, so I played as a kid. We uh, we always played um, on a lawn with my with my uh, family. So uh, not on a court, but we played like as a part of like our our annual family barbecue. We'd always oh, have yeah. a bocce game, and um, so. But I played a lot of cards with my grandmother. But it's hard to make a movie about cards. So. <laughs> So, you know, I wanted, I wanted I'm to, in. to score bomb, free score bomb, whatever you want to play, score ball in it, whatever you got. <laughs> yeah, totally. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, my grandmother and I still play cards now. And, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a really special experience to be able to hear, to hear their stories. And, um, yeah, Dante, I'll tell you a bocce story for sure. But, I, but one of the things I wanted to tell you was, um, 
you know, when my grandmother was getting older, you, you, I reached a point with her where like, probably like when she was like 80, 85, where she started to talk, she was just getting like crabbier, frankly. Right. And I started to realize like, Oh, if I approach her as an 85 year old woman, she's just going to be crabby. But if I approach her like a 45 year old woman, like she just lights up. Uh-huh. So I started talking to her about like, tell me about when you met grandpa and like, tell me about your first job in Manhattan and tell me about, and the woman's got stories for days. (laughs) That's awesome. And she's amazing. And she like worked at a factory in world war two, making like a glass that went over a bomb for the plane. Like she joined a a women's baseball team, like league of their own. Yeah. Yeah. And she's crying in baseball. Yeah. It's like fascinating. So she's got all these stories that I find so incredible. Um, so I, I told so, these guys, I told these guys I did this with my grandpa's. I, I recorded them talking about this stuff so I could keep it for, you know, generations lower. Cause yeah. like those stories are just, they're unbelievable. You just wouldn't think uh, like we live in this era today. It's like, that's what you guys did. No way. No yeah. way. You didn't walk both, both ways uphill. No, we did. <laughs> <laughs> well, like my grandmother's like, yeah, we danced at the Copacabana. And I was like, that was an actual place? Yeah. She's like, yeah. Like, it was an actual club in Manhattan. And we would go dancing there. Like, and she always told us, she's like, you can't, you don't even know what living is. Like, we live. Yeah. Know? So she, uh, but the point is that I think, you know, games and sports and uh, especially bocce, like, just brings out the, the talker in people. You know, you spend so much time with people on the court and – not only for me learning the game with these guys, but also, um, you know, they gather so often that it becomes their social life. It becomes, there's an entire social network around the game. And I think that's what was so beautiful about the game for me. And that's why I wanted to make the movie about Bocce because, you know, the point of the film is that, yeah, we have technology in our lives. It's not going anywhere, but like, let's not forget what it's like to stand around with our friends mm-hmm. and kind of just shoot the shit over nothing. Or what's, let's not forget what it's like to gather at a park together and bring bagels and bring coffee or, you know, however you guys do it differently than we do it. But like, you know, and just, just gather and be in each other's lives. And, you know, that's a hard message during the pandemic because people are like, yeah, dude, we'd love to, but we can't leave the house. You know? <laughs> yeah. But, um, but it's, um, but, but that's really the point of the movie. So, but back to your question, Dante, which is, you know, a really, really, one of the like most special uh, bocce memories, I think, from the, the shooting of the film um, was, was that these guys would show up at like six o'clock in the morning to sweep the court. Nice. And as the director, you try to get there as early as you can, but you have 15 other things happening you know, for three hours before you're even on the set. Um, but one morning I went super early and there they were, and they were just gathered together. They had other guys who were on the team who weren't even in the movie. They were taking leaves off the court. They were sweeping the court. At one point, one of them hosed it down to make sure <laughs> that it was like perfect and beautiful. And there was just a great respect for the game. There was a great respect for each other. There was a great respect for us and uh, I, I don't know how you guys grew up, but at least in our house, like 
I was tired of hearing that word by the time I went to college. I was like, okay, I know. I have to respect this yeah. person and I have to respect that person. Yeah. But then suddenly you reach a point in your 20s where you're like, oh, that's real. Like that actually makes the world a better place. That actually makes conversations easier and meetings easier and dating easier and family life easier and all these things. So, you know, um, the movie was very much about you know, my hopefully respecting the sport and the sport respecting who we were as filmmakers. And, um, and I think we got what we got, you know, I think the movie is the product of that, which is, which is really nice. So definitely, definitely man. All right. Well, we'll definitely. close on that. Yeah. yeah thanks guys. Good. We really, I, last thing. I know this is about the movie, but I want to hear more about you guys and Youngstown. So I don't know if you want to sign off first and we can talk more no. or, uh, I'll yeah. keep it running, and then we'll just we could see yeah, it, we, yeah, keep yeah. it running. Yeah, I just Definitely. didn't want. Yeah. I wanted to be uh, respectful to your time. I just you know didn't oh, know, I'm, so we could I'm, talk I'm, for. Yeah, I'm, I have a, I have a good one from earlier that I thought about. Uh, you mentioned Warner Brothers, obviously, uh, very big, um, very big company out there on the West Coast. They actually, uh, Jack Warner, and his brother can't remember his brother's name. They grew up in the neighborhood outside of where we play bocce in Youngstown in the summer. So it's nice. called the uh, Mahoning Valley Restaurant, which is the county we're in. And uh, it has four bocce courts outside covered up. And there's a bar-connected, family-owned restaurant from uh, back in the 1920s. They were the first restaurant in Ohio to get their liquor license. Oh, so it's like wow. we're really bringing it back. And the Warner Brothers – actually grew up in that same neighborhood which is pretty cool they lived there oh, they were teenagers i think and uh it was one of those neighborhoods that was mostly italian but it it became a melting pot and really known for all the different cultures and the different pockets that's great oh, i love hearing that that's so cool yeah one of my one of my favorite things about like talking to you and then like meeting you know cause i'm from columbus but parents from italy grandparents from italy I'm first generation and talking to these guys, Chris and Dante, both raised in Youngstown, moved to Columbus, Carmen's still in Youngstown. Um, it's, it's so cool to relate like everything you're talking about or what the movie is like the Italian culture, right? Like things that are the same. Like when, if I say a busta, only Italians get what a busta is, right? Like if I say my mom has a letter, my mom still wrote down everyone who gave what, like only certain people get that, right? Like you're like, well, let me go check. Well, Johnny is going to give a hundred dollars. So we're only giving 75. I was like, but no, they didn't stay and eat like, like that stuff. Yeah, racks yeah. me up. Yeah, and like you don't realize it until you're older. You're like, holy shit! Like, yeah. it's it's like it's a culture you guys have itself. The furniture. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah or the room that the room that no one goes and is allowed to go in. <laughs> yeah. like, why why is that room even there? Fashion Man Scalco, he covers all of this stuff. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, I, I grew up with ten. I met ten of my twelve actually grandparents and great-grandparents really? so i was really lucky wow. really really lucky until i was 32 years old i actually had all four of my grandparents alive wow, and my great-grandma was alive till i was 30 so like li- like hearing and like you hearing you and knowing <laughs> I, I know i know what they're drinking what they're eating i mean my grandpa he, he had chickens in the back of his 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 house at 80 87 years old and i, I went to my grandma's house the, the grandma the grandpa just died a grandma i went over to her house the other day and I show up, and I'm like, uh, "That's my mother. She calls every night. <laughs> yeah. Put her on the podcast." Hey. I go, <laughs> I, 
go, I, I go, Nana. She goes, give me a second. I go, what are you doing? I'm like, I'll be right back. So I like, I go look. She's killing the chickens in the basement. Literally, <laughs> like she's like, I gotta kill these chickens real quick. I'm like, who are you killing the chickens for? <laughs> like for what? Yeah. He's going to want to eat. Yeah, yeah. She's like, we'll eat in 20 minutes. We're like things like that. That's what I love hearing. Just talking to grandpa, which is yeah. uh, Chris and I's grandpa on my mom's side you know, from Italy, the Bruzzo region. But he would always say, you know, he's like, this, this this prosciutto flew over from Italy. This this chicken flew over from Italy as he's cutting it up. Yeah, yeah. and his my grandfather used to have. Uh, so my grandpa Giulio, who was from Italy, my, on my mom's side they were first generation and on my dad's side my dad was first generation so uh on my dad's side grandpa julio used to we'd sit down at the dining room table and he'd be like julie which is what he called me like go get the cream soda and i would like run down the steps and like skid across the tiles in the basement (laughs) and like open up the closet door and the entire closet was like Two rows of cream soda and two <laughs> rows of Ranzoni pasta. Like that was the entire pasta. That's awesome. Very so similar. You know, and just it's funny. You think it's only your house, and then you start talking to everybody. You're like, no, it's everybody's house. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's so cool. So, so do you guys? I have so many questions. So do you guys? Does the did the rainbow cookie land for you? Yeah, I've never had a rainbow cookie before. I won't lie. It did for me. I mean, because my, my grandmas made them all the time, so I was like, I knew exactly what it was. Loved it. Got it. Got so. it. I mean, I was able to compare other cookies, like clothespins, my favorite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was yeah. similar. Like, the first time I had it, it was like a world-changing experience. <laughs> I don't know But if not it's specifically because, the rainbow. I don't know. If yeah. it's so, Carmen, um, good story, cool stories. His family and our family is from the same uh, town in Italy called Pagentro. It's yeah. right above uh, Simona. So there's only about 1,200 people population there. Um, And when our grandparents moved over here, uh, they helped build a club, an Italian club, uh, that eventually built a couple bocce courts uh, in Youngstown. So I don't know if it's because that region, maybe they didn't make the rainbow uh, cakes there or or what, but... Cookies. Cookies, excuse me. Um, but if, along with what he's saying, yeah, I mean, there's definitely other. Yeah, I found that... it's it's a it's. I think it's very particular to New York as well. Yeah. So, um, but so how did my my question for folks outside of New York is always like, how did the Italians find their way to Ohio? Was steel. it working steel? Okay. Mine was uh, mine was built like buildings. Like my my uncle was building houses. Like one of my dad's uncles, uncles, whatever, was building, and they got there that way. They're supposed to go to Toronto, and they stopped in Columbus, and that was it. Wow! So yeah. Why couldn't you go to? I was like, I always ask, like, why proud, you go to LA? Like, why yeah. don't you go west? Keep going! Like, what the hell? So, we're proud of where we are, but we're always like, you know, why don't you go down south or somewhere else? <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. so damn cold. What did you stop here for? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, our grandpa was... came over because um, you know he had to make money so he could. You know, marry his what? Come back, marry his you know soon to be wife. You know, and back then it's crazy to me because it's like taking someone's word, like yeah, I'll come back and marry you. <laughs> you won't hear from them for yeah. you know who knows? you can't send a text or a, even a fax at that point <laughs> yeah. or a pigeon. Now you know pigeon messengers. Um, but you know, came over to Pennsylvania and it was just the Rust Belt and around Ohio because um, it was steel mills upon steel mills, and then found their way to Youngstown, where a lot of people from that one town, Pagentro, in the Abruzzo region 
all immigrated to and then, you know, worked until they retired or until they, you know, and, Black Monday. Back, it, back in that time, Youngstown, it was called Little Chicago. It was actually, it was set to be what Pittsburgh is now. Mm. And, you know, whatever happened, it ended up the city, the small city between Pittsburgh and Cleveland. Also, we call it the city between Chicago and New York because it's halfway. <laughs> and so it's, it's kind of... It's kind of cool. Yeah, that's where they would all meet. So Youngstown also gets a bad rap. Uh, you know, we can relate to that when you talk about Staten Island. Yeah, funny. The, so, one thing I find, the one thing I find interesting with all the Italians is the drive. You know, like, you know, when I hear their stories, their grandpa's coming over, a lot of them, a lot of my, my family came with nothing, like nothing. They literally just came over on a boat and they're just like, here we go. Let's figure it out. And then. You know, I think it, I think that's gone through the bloodline, though. Like what you've done and what I've seen these guys do, and you know, building what we're trying to do. It's like there's just that drive that is, I feel like is an Italian thing that's hard to explain sometimes. Yeah, it's interesting. I heard it referred to by a comedian, and I can't remember who said it as like um, like an Im- an immigrant work ethic. Yeah, like we are here. We have nothing. We have to work until we have something, and. Sometimes I have to stop myself because I'm like, you live a very nice life. <laughs> like, take a deep breath. Like, it doesn't all have to get done today. It doesn't, you don't have to work till nine o'clock at night. Like, but I was just so used to my dad working that hard. My exactly. Working that hard, yeah. My grandparents working that hard. I mean, you know, one was a baker and made Italian bread from the day he got to the, to the States to the day he died. That's crazy. Um, the other one had three jobs. He was a plumber, an electrician, a ceramic pile layer, or this. They just, they worked. And so that's kind of what we knew. So it was, it, it's very strange to me to like have leisure time. <laughs> yes. Uh, like, feel like. Yeah, I mean, we were all raised here, so we get it. But yeah. it's like, you know, my mom will say like, you know, I'll say to my mom, like, well, why don't you go out to dinner with some friends? And she's like, who do I know? I don't, you know, I have, I have my sister, my, my, my brother, my, you know, because it was, you know, not that they don't have friends, but it's, it's, it's just yeah. a different sort of, um, that there's the schedule of their life was different. You know, they, they just worked a lot. So. Yeah. My dad used to come upstairs and I'd be playing video games and I'd hear him coming and I'd shut it off so quick, get up. Like put a baseball cap on and be like, "Are we we going outside? Like we working on, on something outside or something?" And he's like, "Sure, if you want." Like just to try and act like I wasn't playing video games because I knew I knew the lecture was gonna come. You know, like you gotta get active. Let's do some work or something. Mm-hmm. So. so, how big is Bocce in the Youngstown community and in this in the in the town and city itself? It's pretty, pretty big. <laughs> yeah, it's probably one of the larger, I would say, bocce cities uh, in the Midwest. Um, and a lot of that, like Carmen said, so you have uh, the MVR, which is a restaurant that has several bocce courts. You have our family's Italian club, and there's also several other Italian clubs located throughout the area. Um, there's always tournaments going on, always leagues. I mean, my parents are still in leagues Monday through Saturday. Um, they don't play every day, but you know, maybe a couple times a week. Um, so it's, it's definitely a pretty large population up there as well as the Cleveland area. Yeah. Great. So cool. We're doing, um, and and I'll be in touch, but we're doing two events in January. Uh, one is with, um, 
with the United States Bocce Federation, mm-hmm. and uh, we're calling it Bocce Night in America. And we're asking clubs all over the country to make videos about what bocce means to them. Mm. Uh, and we're going to cut it all into one big, like, 20-minute presentation for the whole country. And awesome. have everybody awesome. uh, tune in. Oh, nice. um, and then watch Team Marco, and then we're going to have a big panel. Love that. Um, so that's, that's coming up. I'll let you guys know about that. And then the other thing we're doing, I didn't realize this when I made the film, but bocce is really big in the Special Olympics community. Yeah. Did you know this? Yeah. Recently, to be honest. We, uh, real quickly, one of our goals is to get in the actual Olympics in 2028. There's a guy, Alex Guerra from Oddball Sports, that put in our heads. So we want to work with him. No, I talked to Alex last week. Yeah, Yeah, we want to work with him and and do whatever we can for that. But then we started looking at the Special Olympics. And right now, we're kind of trying to figure out how can we be involved with that. But. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. They're fantastic. We've been doing uh, a few calls. Um, We did a call with Special Olympics Illinois um, the other day, and we have another one coming up next week. Um, And and just trying to get everybody involved to do something very similar, which is – you know, have Special Olympics bocce teams sort of send in videos about why it's special to them. Um, nice. I, I run a production company. I can We can cut these things together. We can make it yeah. a special event um, for people. Um, and, you know, obviously we're promoting the movie, but we want to be able to give back in any way that we can and, and, and be a part of the bocce community. So, um, you know, those are two things that we're working on. And, and it's, it's really exciting. I'm so glad you guys reached out. I'm so glad that you know, we were able to connect and, and, uh, Alex has been fantastic and yeah. everybody at American Bocce Company has been fantastic. And, um, I think people are, are, are excited that the movie exists and, you know, that makes me really happy. So yeah. you coming to Columbus or Youngstown anytime soon. Yeah, dude, I got my mask. <laughs> there we go. There we go. I'll get, you, I'll get you a good Italian dinner over here. Both exactly. my grandmas are still alive and they can give you a cook. There's a, there's Don't a running know. joke. So we, we, there's the Columbus Italian club here, similar to the ones, back home where we have our own clubhouse bocce courts and uh several of us guys like the cook every sunday we try to but <laughs> anthony hasn't cooked a meal in his life because he's like i got my grandmas you know they're both italian my mom my wife she's a sisters you know so yeah. it's boiled anthony. yeah anthony i'm like you everyone's like oh you're italian so you cook i'm like no i'm the first one <laughs> I didn't. I, 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 I tell them all the time. I would go. I would go from Wednesday bocce night to Sunday night family dinner to Wednesday bocce night, and my grandma, my mom, my other grandma would rotate food, and I would just take three days at a time. Three days at a time. I don't cook. I won't cook for you. But Chris and Dante, they're oh Chris. Chris can cook. Dante and I can cook. I just why would I have to? I have all these salad. people around me. Who cook for me. There's no need for me to do that. So Chris, what's your, what do you like to cook? What's your favorite? Um, so it's funny. I don't cook, uh, a ton of pasta and a lot of it's because I'm trying to stay healthier, right? I'm not trying to continue this quarantine gut that I have going on. Uh, but I've been really messing with uh, the sous vide recently. So to answer your question, steak for the most part, is like my main go-to. Um, but then my buddy, Mike Pizzuto, uh, he's a, a, really big i guess one of our best chefs at the club uh he's always showing me new I'm new postures you're good put her on yeah hello mother i'm sunny i'm on a podcast with uh with the bocce bros in yama hey ma hey ciao thank you for raising your one 
Wonderful son. Thank you for raising your wonderful son. So I thought I'd pass that on to you. Okay. Okay. We were talking about things we have in common, and one of them is that our mothers call until we pick up. I'll call you back. I love you. I love you. So. So in so college, in awesome. college, my mom, I'd have to call my mom every night. And my roommate looks at me and he goes, you talk to your mom every night? I'm like, yeah, don't you? And he's like, uh, we talk every Saturday or Sunday. And I'm like, I don't get these people. What? Who are these people? I know. <laughs> my mom thinks yeah, I'm like, if she doesn't hear from me in, in like eight hours. Yeah. It's so funny because my, my, there's a process because, oh, sorry, go ahead, Julie. No, go ahead, Dante, yeah. I was going to say, because we have two, there's two, uh, we have three brothers in the family so me chris and rob and there's a, like a process so if one of them doesn't pick up you know hey have you heard from dante what's he doing huh <laughs> 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 totally yeah she she calls and then now my sister i have two sisters so now it's the the four-way facetime where like all three of them will get on so i call them the committee which is like <laughs> i have to like I have to run my day through them. I have to run all major decisions through them. Uh, you know, and then my dad, they're divorced, so my dad will get on. And he'll be like, oh, I, I want to join the call. I'll say hello to your mother. Don't worry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they're, awesome. they're a riot. But but I used to come home I, I, in college. That was very strange for me because I would see you know talk to friends who were like, yeah, I talked to my mom like two weeks ago. I'm like two weeks oh ago, God, what? <laughs> I talked to her three times yesterday. Right. <laughs> and and I, I I thought it was me. I was like, no, it's like it's just the way that we were raised. You know, it's just a different game. If it was two weeks. So it would be an a, what do they call it? An APB. Oh yeah, out for us. <laughs> oh yeah. So I was, I was I was in film when I was in film school. Um, so I went to film school at USC in California and. They, the editing labs, which is like where you're learning how to cut things together, they're all underground. There's the way that the building is laid out. So there's no cell reception down there. So like whenever I was working on these long projects, like I'd be down there for days. Like I'd come up, I'd get food, I'd go back. I'd come up, I'd get food, I'd go back. And one night I came up and I must have had 17 voicemails. <laughs> oh, He's like where have you been? <laughs> I was editing. And she's like, I don't give a shit if you're editing or not editing. You call, let me know you're alive. I was going to call the LAPD. I was like, you know, you I, gonna I, edit I, without believe, your head? <laughs> I believe that you were about to do that. And she's yeah. like, I was about to do that. Yeah. I swear, my mom would call me Saturday morning just on purpose just to see if I was hungover, like every Saturday, like nine o'clock in the morning. And if I didn't pick up, I'd be in trouble. So I was like, I had to. Oh, I was like, come on, just leave me alone. <laughs> hey, if we had extra time, I wanted to ask you um, about your experience at Harvard. You know, g going in, I, f I feel like um, I had a friend from here, one of my best friends. He went over there. Right now he's in law school, and he was a similar situation as what how you described it. You know, he didn't really fit in, especially at first. So I'm interested to hear your experience. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Carmen. Um, it was very, it was very jarring, frankly, because so, um, so I grew up on the south shore of Staten Island, which is primarily Italian and Jewish. It's a very mixed community of Italian and Jewish. And when I was 10 years old, I got a scholarship to go to this prep school on the other side of the island. But everybody was still Italian. So like, okay. entering that environment, 
like even though I was sort of now surrounded by people who just had a lot of money, um, they were still Italian. So it, okay. it still had all of these things in common. Um, you're hearing the sounds of New York. <laughs> um, and so um, I think Harvard was hard for me because suddenly I was in this environment that, you know, these people have not two houses, they have four houses. And, you know, they, 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 I always used to joke and stand up that they, they use the word summer as a verb. Like they summer in, you know, they summer in Martha's Vineyard. <laughs> they summer in, um, you know, uh, um, uh, in Nantucket. So it's a, it's, it was just a different culture. And, they're wonderful people. Some of my best friends that I, you know, have in my life today are friends that I made at Harvard, but didn't mean it wasn't okay. hard. Like I was 17 years old. I was this little Italian kid who was like in a completely new environment and completely out of my league. I felt like, um, and, uh, and there's this weird thing that happens at Harvard where like, you're, you, you're all coming out of being like, the number one academic or the number one athlete or the number one actor or the number one everything. And then you get to Harvard and nobody makes anything in the first semester, right? Like none of the basketball players made the basketball team. None of the actors got cast in the, in a, in a play. Nobody. And so there's this like mass depression that sets in like <laughs> by like November, December, where like everybody from across the country realizes like, Oh, you're not the best anymore. What is that like? Yeah. And and then suddenly you start to like people just start to develop all these you know sort of new interests and new you know um, just just they explore themselves a little bit differently. So it right. was really interesting. I mean, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Loved living in Boston. Boston's a really really cool city, um, and it was pretty wonderful. And I still look at those years like really fondly, but it was, uh, yeah, it was shocking. It was, it was a, just a completely different environment. Yeah. Glad you shared that. Yeah. Yeah. Good question, Carm. Good yeah. question. Um, but yeah, some of my, I mean, my, my best friend from Harvard, uh, is one of our lead investors in the company. My other best friend and roommate, I'm the father or the godfather of, of, of his daughter. Um, so I made really strong, wonderful relationships, but, um, but yeah, I was like, what the hell is this place? Like, you know, like we wore a tuxedo more than jeans and I'm not, like, I was in a tuxedo like every weekend there was some sort of like, tuxedo event. And like, did you guys ever see the, um, uh, the social network, mm-hmm. Yeah, social dilemma, yeah. social network the, that was made about the Facebook guys. Yeah. Yeah. That opening scene where they're just like raging in this private club and there's like all sorts of partying like that was our life like every weekend in tuxedos the entire time (laughs) you know bizarre kind of place um and everything that you think it is it is and so like for a little italian boy i was like what what's happening what's happening (laughs) right but i was actually telling this story the other day because uh harvard has a like an alumni entertainment network and they were interviewing me and we were talking about this, but really quickly early on, I learned that like that I'm a storyteller and that was a weird thing. Cause I just assumed that that's how everybody communicates and it's not true. Like I was surrounded by people who 
just want to argue all fucking day. They just want to be right, and they just want to argue because they're like third generation lawyers or they're third generation, you know, and all they do is want to argue. And I was just like, can we just talk about like family (laughs) stories, stuff that happened is when we were kids, what our grandmas are like. And that just wasn't the way that people communicated. So it was interesting because, you know, I was young, but it was like, I discovered that at Harvard. I was like, Oh, like I'm a storyteller. And it probably has a lot to do with the fact that I'm Italian. Italians are storytellers and we're dramatic and we're over the top and that's why <laughs> opera was so popular in the Italian culture and you know yeah. and they use your hands the real question is did everyone tell you to use your hands too much in college <laughs> why are you always moving your hands all day long all day long <laughs> oh, all the time they used to joke be like hey watch out like <laughs> you can tell when we're playing bocce and you look at Anthony across the court you could tell he's Italian because one he has a temper and two he's always doing this <laughs> yeah <laughs> 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 so what are you what are your dads all like what is that uh, so anthony so your dad is from italy right yeah yeah how about, how about everybody else is or chris and so, dante your dad is from italy as well or he was born here our dad is actually irish and english uh so he's he's not italian our mom is italian she was born a few years after my grandparents immigrated here from italy What's funny, though, if you were to look at my dad, you know, from an outsider's perspective, you're probably like, whoa, your dad's the mob boss, because you know, he's like a bigger guy, he you has know, his gold hairy arms, he looks chest, Italian. the gold, <laughs> yeah, the gold necklace, the gold watch, like a Tony, a real Tony Soprano type of character, but he's the biggest bear. You know, he's going to listen to this. He's like, what do you mean, bear? Yeah. But, <laughs> but um, I would say, you know, we get a lot of, both of our parents are actually really good bocce players, but our, our dad built us a court along with my grandpa. Uh, at the first house that we lived in growing up Uh, so you know that was always and even though he's you know not Italian just because he was married to my mom he really dove into the culture and and the culture really opened up to him and all my grandpa loved him immediately I always wondered that you know dad how was your first date with mom you know his grandpa upset that you weren't Italian and he loves this story so he went to pick her up went inside introduced himself to to my grandpa and four or five hours later, bottles of whiskey and wine later, they're still at the table talking. Funny. And my, they yeah. never even went out. My mom went to bed and they were still <laughs> BSing. So That's great. Yeah, yeah. That is so funny. That is similar to how when I met Francesca's dad for the first time. I'm firstborn, so like I had a lot of expectations. Like probably have to marry an Italian girl, blah, 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 blah. Like the whole family was all over me. And uh, I went to go meet her dad, and we we had so many shots of sambuca and limoncello that night. It was ridiculous. <laughs> her, her family. I married. I married 100 percent Italian, so it's kind of yeah. easy for me. It's culture wise. Just yeah, that's what. So. how about you, Karen? Yeah. So my dad's uh, first generation, and uh, his parents came over a couple years before he was born. He's one of five children, and. Um, his uh, his dad was a builder, so my grandpa, his name's Carmen. So in our family, we've done it. You always name your son, your firstborn son, if you have one, after your father. Yeah. So if I were to have a father, or if I were to have a son, his name would be Marco, because that's my father's oh, name. Oh, wow. Okay. So, uh, so yeah, he's um, he's actually, he's never been to Italy. I've been there three times, so I tell him about it, um, but he's still very much in the culture and my grandma's still alive 
And uh, he has a, a lot of really good stories of my grandfather growing up and my grandma. Yeah. And he still carries on the uh, – he's a construction worker on the side. So he's a teacher, then principal, now athletic director. But he just has to do – why not? Just do a bunch of other stuff on the side. So exactly. he carries on the tradition. That's funny. So we have the same tradition in our family. So you name after, the firstborn son after the grandfather. So my, so I'm Julio after my grandpa Julio, and then my middle name is Vincent after my grandpa Vincent on my mom's side. Okay. But uh, the story goes that so my my grandfather is Julio the Italian way, G I U L I O, and so growing up. They named my dad Julius. They like broke tradition and named him Julius because they wanted him to have an American name. But he hated the name. (laughs) And they grew up in an Italian uh, community in Queens. And so he called himself Julio. But because it was really short for Julius, he spelled it J-U-L-I-O. And because the community was so Italian and they never imagined they'd ever meet anybody Latino, like they, it was just Julio, J-U-L-I-O. And so when my mom met my dad, she met him as Julio, J-U-L-I-O. So when I was born, my grandparents were like, oh, no, 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 he's Julio, like... (laughs) G-I-U-L-I-O. And my mother was like, I'm not naming my kid G-I-U-L-I-O because he's going to go to school and they're going to call him Gulio. Everyone's going to be confused about it. So my birth certificate is G-I-U-L-I-O. And then when my mom started using it, she just always spelled it with a J. Somehow in the 70s, she got a birth, or she got a, um, a social security card with a J. She registered me in school with a J. So my entire life, I have been explaining this to anyone who will listen. And every single day I meet people and I will say, hi, I'm Julio. And they say, good to meet you, Julio. And it's happened every single day. And I say, no, it's Julio. And they say, oh, no, I heard you, Julio. And you're like, no, it's Italian. You know? And they'll say, oh, are you sure? <laughs> like, yeah, so, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's my name. So, uh, but but growing up, so so I was Julio. My dad was Julio, and growing up, we grew up on a block of all Italians and and Jewish families, and so it was, and everyone was named after their father, also. So it was like there was Big Charlie and Little Charlie. Big Tommy and Little Tommy. My dad was Big Julio. I was Little Julio, uh, and and so on and so forth down the down the block. So, um, yeah, we're we're. I explain my name every single day. That's so funny. I have I have such a similar story. But my parents, since I was first born, they're from Italy. I was supposed to be called Antonio after my grandpa, but they didn't want to call me Antonio because they thought I'd get made fun of in school. So they called me Anthony instead. Well, then I have a brother and two other sisters that come along and listen to these names. Davide, David with an E, Angelina and Gabriella. So now it's Anthony, Davide, Gabriella. And it's like, I got screwed. Exactly. <laughs> I named my son after my dad, Paolo. So it's Paolo and Paolo. And oh, I love Mike, that. I David, so. yeah. Yeah. yeah, I want to have kids. And Paolo is one of those names you, I just always fell in love with. You know, uh, it's, it's funny. Such a, such a great name. Yeah. It's funny how generations, so like my mom, when they when they were growing up, they wanted to get away from, not get away from the Italian culture, but 
they wanted to be more Americanized, right? And and not have the big Italian homemade bread with the prosciutto and provolone sandwiches and, you know, maybe have a snack pack instead. Yeah, um, yeah. as us, like me, I'm jealous that Dante's name's Dante. And I, you know, I got Christopher, which I still think <laughs> is a nice name, but... I'm like, dang it, why couldn't I get like a cool name right. like that? You know? So Dante's a cool name. Dante's yeah. a very cool name. Yeah. Tell me about your tell me about your lunches. Were they like chicken and spinach, Nutella <laughs> bread? Tell me. Was it, am I right? Am I close? Yeah. My mom was American, so it was I was much more American, but definitely like definitely, you know, it, it was it was like a turkey sandwich, but then a cannoli, right? Or like <laughs> you know, it wasn't like a pudding pop. It was like, you know, yeah. leftover crumb cake that my grandfather baked in his bakery. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we grew up in a, um, uh, my, my sisters both married Italians. Um, my middle sister, uh, her husband is first generation American. And so they have a house in Italy still. And so the grandparents go half the year and then half the year they're on Staten Island. And that's Marco, the grandfather. Um, and then my baby sister married an Italian uh, guy whose family was uh, went to Argentina first, and they were in Argentina oh, nice. for one generation, and then to New York after that. So it's funny because when speaking of the, uh, you mentioned the Italian accent, Chris, uh, that Nono has in the movie. I was really nervous about it because I was like, the actor is Greek, yeah. like he's like he's a Greek Greek American. Like, is this is this gonna work? And and I walked into my house one day. It was it was like a uh, it was before we shot the movie, so it must have been Easter. And like all the Italians were there, and like they all sound completely different. Yeah. Because like some of them are first generation, some of them were born there, some of them came here halfway through their lives, some of them were from Argentina, some of them were like so it doesn't matter. Like as long as like this accent sounds Mediterranean and sounds like it's authentic to him. I'm happy with it, so I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that you liked it. Yeah, it definitely worked. Yeah, brought me back. Well, thanks, guys. This is a blast. So thanks. Yeah, for having me. we really yeah, appreciate it, awesome. it. We'll have to stay in Thank touch. Um, no, please do, please do. You have my you have my contact information, and uh, yeah, help us spread the word if you can. I appreciate it, and uh, I'll let you know all about Botch Night in America, and then also the event that we're going to do with Alex and Special Olympics and. Yeah. That would be uh, really cool to have you guys on board. And when you're coming to Columbus, you can have a dinner with us. Yeah, totally. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah, and, and whether you do I'll anything cook. with it or... Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, whether you do... Cooking. <laughs> no, no, get in the kitchen. No, no, make the pasta faster. <laughs> but I was going to say, whether you do anything with it or not, but just keep in mind, Olympics 2028, we need everyone on board. Yeah, there you go. Appreciate hey, it. All right, I'll start spreading the word. All right. Real, real All right. quick, See real ya. quick, Julio. I just want to do yep. one quick soundbite promoting. So everyone, please, please go and check out Team Marco. It's available on demand. And what other um, oh. platforms, Julio, is it on? Sure. So we're on all major uh, on-demand platforms, so on cable and also on all major uh, digital movie platforms. So Amazon, Google, YouTube movies, Fandango, Apple TV, Apple iTunes. Uh, you can check out teammarco.movie. Teammarco.movie has a full list and links to everywhere that we're playing. Perfect. So no excuses. Even if you don't like bocce, you're probably not listening to this to me this far. But it's, it's more than bocce. It's about family. It's about being here now. So please check it out, Team Marco. 
Uh, thank you again, Julio. Check out juliovincent.com and as always, thebachibros.com. Thank you once again, Julio. This is awesome. We've had a pleasure. Thanks for coming as well. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. My life is gonna be beautiful. I've sunshine enough to spread. It's just like the fella said. Tell me quick, ain't love a kick in the head. Like the fella once said, ain't that a kick in the head?